0: We have been focusing on the mission of God, and we're winding up uh, very quickly our uh, last section on discipleship. We've got one more little block we'll be looking at during the month of November before we get into our uh, December series. But we've been looking at how how does the Holy Spirit work in our lives... In order to transform us from people controlled by the flesh to people controlled by the Spirit of God. And our theme verse during this entire section has been 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all are being transformed into His image. Simply stated, we were created in the image of God. Sin has corrupted that image. And through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, we are being transformed back into that image. And we've been looking at the enemies that we face. And there's three enemies that we face. Satan, the flesh, and the world. And we're winding up next Sunday, that one on the flesh. Now, last week, we looked at... uh, the kind of the negative aspect of the flesh. How do we get rid of those habits that, has, that have developed in our lives that weigh us down as, as children of God? And notice what Paul says, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. And we talked last week, how do you put to death the misdeeds of the body? And the first thing that we talked about was the fact that when we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we crucify the old man. Now, it doesn't mean that those habits go away. A lot of those habits continue to plague us. And so when we come up out of the waters of baptism, while we have crucified the old man, he is still lingering around. And so we have to start working on getting rid of those old habits. The second thing that helps us in that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why that gift, when we are baptized, Acts 2, verse 38, is so very important. The Spirit empowers us. The Spirit indwells us. The Spirit works through us to help us become what God has created us to be. And then we talked about number three, intentionality. you got to want to get rid of those things. The Spirit will never overpower your will. It works through you, not in spite of you. And so the Spirit is waiting for you to take those steps. That's why you have a lot of language about keeping in step with the Spirit found in Paul's letters. And so we have to be intentional in our efforts. And we talked about that looking at text through the book of Colossians, primarily chapter 3, of where you need to put to death, you need to take off, you need to get rid of these habits that you've developed in your life. And then finally, the Holy Spirit's there to help us because there are times that we fail. There are times that we're weak. There's times that we don't even know what to ask for. And the Spirit says, I'll be there. And I'll be your intercessor. I'll be your helper. I'll be the one to give you strength when you need it. Just let me know. Now, what we're moving to today is the opposite of this. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. Now we move, as Colossians, Paul says, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you need to clothe yourself. One of the words that we used last week is to take off the idea of someone coming in they're dirty they're filthy their clothes are nasty you take those off you clean up and then you put on clean clothes that's the language paul's using in colossians but not only in colossians but in other letters as well as some of the other writers of the new testament and you begin to see this list of what we call oftentimes either the fruit of the spirit the christian graces the virtues of being a christian But, you know, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And the the list literally will go on. We'll look at a couple more of them here in just a moment. But if you're familiar with the epistles, especially Paul and Peter, lists like this are not uncommon. You turn over to Galatians chapter 5 and you have a list called the fruit of the Spirit. And there, again, this miniature version of Romans, Paul is talking about you know, the various characteristics that, that we as Christians will see the Spirit producing in our lives. And I want you to notice that language there, fruit of the Spirit. Not fruit of you, fruit of the Spirit working through you. And, and we're all very familiar with the list, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And almost with his tongue in his cheek, having just talked about the works of the flesh that are against the law of God, he says, by the way, against these things, there is no law. In other words, you know, if you're a parent, you you, you might say to your kids, listen, I'm never going to punish you for making up your bed, right? You're never going to get in trouble for picking up your toys. You know, you're never going to get, and you just fill in the blank. You know, there are a lot of good things that we do. That our parents are not going to say, I told you not to do that. You're, we're... we're you know, if we're doing the good things, we don't have to worry about the law being against us. And so I think Paul's kind of tongue-in-cheek when he says that. But then, in addition to the fruit of the Spirit, Peter talks about the Christian graces. And what's fascinating about that, when you turn over Second Peter, is he says, now listen, you've, you're moving away from these evil desires through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add. Very different approach. In Paul, it's the fruit, the work of the Spirit. But for Peter, it is what we do. And the point simply being is that the Spirit that works in Paul has to have our cooperation. I mean, that's the whole point. The Spirit doesn't work in opposition to what we're trying to do. And so here we add, and then notice, same kind of list, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and then love. And I want you to notice that whether it's Paul beginning with love and everything kind of flowing out of that, or Peter ending with love and everything building to it, one of the things that's very obvious about what we need to do as far as being recreated in the image of God is this thing we call love. You turn over to Colossians, and Paul will pick back up with some of these things we do. For instance, he says, bear with each other. Forgive one another. I love that one, because forgiveness is not found in either the fruit of the Spirit or the Christian graces of of 2 Peter chapter 1. It's Paul that says forgiveness is one of those signs of the Spirit of God working in his life. And then he says, by the way, and the standard is the forgiveness that Jesus has given to you. And can we all admit that there's no one? No one who has sinned against us the way we've sinned against God. And so, we can forgive. And then he ends this section with this phrase. And over all of these virtues, put on love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. I call love the super glue of spirituality. Is that which takes all the other traits and puts them where they need to be. And it's love. If we're going to be the people of God that we have to focus on, in other words, agape love, it's not natural and it is not easy. I think sometimes we just assume that this is something that the Spirit's going to develop in us without us really working hard at it, and that is not true at all. You know, when you think of the, of the basic loves, and there's four types found in Greek. C.S. Lewis, many, many years ago, wrote a book called The Four Loves, in which he goes back to, to basically the Bible, first century world, and he says that the Greeks divided love into four different words. You know, let, let's face it, we use that word love way too broadly. I mean, we, we think about love and we talk about the fact that we love our dogs and our cats. Uh, we love amen our football teams, right? I mean, we love our football teams, ex- except the weekends when they lose okay and and sometimes that happens i mean we 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 might love our job, we love our kids. Uh, by the way, we had our uh, day school open house this past Thursday, and uh, boy, a great crowd of people came, and I went over there and I bid on some things, and uh, I bought. I bought some options at winning some other things. I even bought two little pies to take home. One for June and one for me. And June said, I never did see those pies. (laughs) And I said to June, I didn't either. When I signed up for the tickets at winning some other stuff, I accidentally left my pies on the table there. And I'm pretty sure Lacey Potts ate my pies. Either that, or she sold them again, which would have been the better option. Now, am I complaining? No. I walked in this morning and owned the in my mailboxes is, is a letter, Les Chapman, and I'm thinking, what is this? And I opened it up. June, close your ears. Close your ears. I won a year's worth of Culver's custard. Can you believe that? Starting in January, every year, Les Chapman, not June Chapman, gets a pint of Culver's custard. And I'm like, wow, I have finally struck it rich. That is awesome. And, and so, there you go. But, uh, you know, we use that word love for a lot of things. And I do love custard, yes. But there are different types of love. The Bible talks about, for instance, one type of love is family love. Family love, if, if you've ever had this opportunity, and, and June and I have experienced it three times, of going to the hospital when one of our grandchildren was being born. And every time we walk into the room for the first time to see you know, one of our grandchildren, it was one of our daughter-in-laws who was, who was holding him, three grandsons. And you know you walk in and you just instantly sense that love between that newborn and his mother or her mother. I mean, what an incredible experience. John and Jennifer six experience it again. They've got two grandchildren coming in the next month. I mean, what an incredible experience. You don't have to be taught to love your grandchildren, do you? Now, you may have to be taught how to keep loving them as they get older, but not, you know, at first you, we all love our grandchildren. That's why we call them grandchildren. Children, parents, that natural love, that's one type of love, and, and it's natural. A second is friendship love. I'm three years old, and next door on Highway 15 there north of Ripley is, is Marty Hubbard. And Marty's the same age I am, and he lives right across the road from me. And, and, and a lot of days, his mother would let him come over, and we would ride tricycles together. I mean, here we are three and four years old, and boy, we are the kings of the world I mean, we had the best tricycles money could buy. And we just had a blast digging in the dirt. Why? Because we were best buds. And we all have experienced that natural friendship of having something in common with someone and just enjoying life with them. And then we get a little bit older and there's romantic love. The Greek word is eros. And and, and, and again, it's natural love. It's that love when you see someone and you think, you know what, I might possibly could spend the rest of my life with that person. But then there's divine love. You know the word agape. We have an organization here in Middle Tennessee called Agape that helps with adoption services and counseling programs. But agape is a little bit different. Should it have been natural? Yes, it should have been in an uncorrupt world, a, a world that wasn't fallen. But because of the fallen nature that so many of us get caught up in, all of us get caught up in because of sin, this becomes the most difficult of all the loves. And yes, the one that God says, that's what I want you to learn. You turn over to Matthew 22. What's the greatest commandment? It's to love God with all of our being. The second is likened to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You turn over to Matthew 5, and you have this incredibly difficult text of where Matthew records Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. And then Jesus looks at us and says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Lord, if if, if I loved them, they wouldn't be my enemies. No, You're, you're thinking of love very wrong. You see, agape love is not tied up with the emotions. It's tied up with the will. Agape love is the ability to want the very best for others because of the fact that they're created in the image of God, and you know that. Several years ago, a big announcement was made that we had finally found and and killed Osama bin Laden. In the evening news, it showed people everywhere rejoicing, celebrating. We finally got the great enemy of the United States. And yet, when I heard the news, there was something about me that wasn't happy. Do we all want justice? Of course we want justice, except when it applies to us, right? We want justice. But you know, you turn over to the book of Ezekiel, and one of the things that God says in the book of Ezekiel, or that Ezekiel says about God, is that God doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked. And I don't think we should either. I mean, enemies are to be saved, not to be rejoiced over when they die lost. And let me tell you, it takes a lot for us to get there. In some cases, we don't. But, boy, we, move, we should be moving that direction. Love your enemies. You pray for those who are out to get you. You want to talk about tough? It's easy to pray for those we love, It's a lot harder to pray for those who are our enemies. And then Jesus, of course, the new commandment. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Let me give you the ultimate standard, which is the standard of Jesus. And so you have to pause and ask a very simple question. How do we as Christians put on love, to use the words of Paul? How do you do that? And I want to go back to my list last week and go the opposite direction. Instead of putting to death the misdeeds of the body, how do we put on love? And the first thing to recognize is that love is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to do it without the Holy Spirit being involved in your life. You're never going to get to agape love. You may have a lot of forms of care for people, but not agape love. Romans 5, 5 says this, God's love, which is agape there, has been poured out in our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. In other words, the Holy Spirit has been involved in a process to illustrate for us what agape love is. And it's that experience, it's very experiential, it is that experience of agape love that creates agape love in us. Here's the way John put it, the great apostle of love. We love, why? Because he first loved us. It is experience of God's love that then causes us to go, wait a minute, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I want you to just for a moment pause and think about the fact. On that middle cross was laid my sins. My sins was nailed to that cross. The blood dripped from his body on that cross, dripped to cover my sins. That body offered was a body offered for my reconciliation to God and for yours. It is the internalization of what happened, not just at Calvary, everything from the incarnation to the exaltation of Jesus. He's at the right hand of God interceding for me and interceding for you. Saying to God, I know him. Let's keep working with him. I know her. She deserves another try. That's the God that we serve. And it's the experiencing of that love that leads us to number two, have that intentionality going the other direction. Or to put it in the words of Paul in Galatians 5, since we live by the Spirit, let's now keep in step with the Spirit as the Spirit is trying to produce in our lives what the Spirit wants us to have, which ultimately is love. turn over to 1st Corinthians and 1st Corinthians is fascinating, especially chapters 12, 13, and 14. One of the challenges the Corinthians had was that they were arguing a lot about spiritual gifts. You had some who could speak in tongues, some who could interpret tongues, you had some who could do healings, you had people who could prophesy, you had a lot of these spiritual gifts that were so important for the establishment of the church in the first century. And, and, and they're kind of getting competitive in those gifts. You know, I, I can speak in tongues. You know, all you have is, is the gift of interpretation. You know, and, and so they're becoming competitive in this. And so Paul steps in, and Paul says, listen, these gifts are important. But let me tell you, there is a gift that's more important than any other spiritual gift out there. And so when he gets to the end of 12, where he's kind of detailed all of these spiritual gifts, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts of so these that I've talked about, But I'm going to show you the more excellent way. I love the Passion Translation. And now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. In other words, he says, there is a gift that every single Christian can have, manifest, and live out in the world. And it's better than all the rest. In fact, look at what he says. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels... Well, that was the big one at this time. He says, if I do that, (laughs) and if I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries, and if I have all knowledge, I mean, Rodney, wouldn't it be nice to have that? Wouldn't it be nice you wouldn't have to go into Hebrew Union to learn Hebrew, God just give you that ability? Boy, what a gift that would have been. You know? I mean, what if we just had the gift of all knowledge? And what if we had faith that could move mountains? What if we had such a generous heart that we would give all that we possess to the poor, even our own bodies, over to hardship to glorify God? Here's what Paul says. But do not have love. I have gained nothing. What y'all think about that? Of all of those gifts, the one that's going to change the world is love. And that's why when you get to the third characteristic, this step-by-step walking with the Spirit, you find Paul saying, can I just kind of help you with this concept of agape love? And if there's anything that we as Christians could do would be simply to spend some time reflecting where are you in the Spirit's development of agape love in your life? 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love. Oftentimes when I'm doing weddings, one of the things I'll say to people is, here's a lot of vows, but here's a textual vow. What if you would use 1 Corinthians 13 as your vow of love to one another? And oftentimes couples love it. Let's go with that. I love it because it anchors our marriages in this great gift of God's love. But when you look at this step by step, Paul begins very simple and he says, Love is patient. Odd one to begin with. Love is patient. God, of all the characteristics of love, why did you inspire the Spirit to list that one first? And I think the answer is very simple. Less because of you. You need all the patience I can give you. And wouldn't that be true of all of us? Isn't living with one another ultimately about patience? June still has patience with me, y'all. Every day bless her heart she'll look over and I'll be there at the couch and say you threw those dishes yet now what she's actually saying is I don't know why you had not picked them up taken them to the kitchen but since you haven't I will and she does bless her heart you know I mean sometimes her questions are quite obvious are those your shoes right there who else would they be in our house (laughs) they're not yours they're mine to which June's response is why are they there She's still patient with me, and I'm still occasionally, not as often, patient with her. But it doesn't touch the patience God has for me and for you. King James Version uses the old word long-suffering. I like that word. I mean, God suffers long and expects us to do the same thing. I mean, if we just would extend a little bit more patience toward one another, what a difference it would make in our relationships. And that, of course, is followed by the next great characteristic love is kind. This is the only time this word kind is used in in the New Testament. In fact, some people believe that Paul created the word. Uh, Paul would do that occasionally. You know, I don't know if y'all remember back George Bush, but President George Bush had a way of just creating words out of nothing. You know, and I always I always thought those were some of the most hilarious, you know. I mean, in Mississippi, when you don't have a word, just make one up. You know, that's kind of the way you work. And and that's the way Paul was. But Paul says, listen, love is kind. Love has this ability to be gentle, to show other people that you care. And and brothers and sisters, if we're going to be people of God, we've got to get serious about this. Let me ask you today, when you go off to a restaurant, how will will you treat the waiters and waitresses that serve you? Will you complain? Will you fuss? Pete, I appreciate your answers, brother. Thank you for... Pete doesn't do that, and we need to follow Pete's example. I mean, if you want to know whether or not you're showing agape love, I want you to think about the way you treat the least of the least of our world. And if you're a waitress or waiter, I'm not saying that's what you are. It's just that I'm saying that oftentimes you're the ones that we treat the worst. And we shouldn't be that way. I mean, how do we treat others? Well, less, I just want the service I pay for. I get that. But you can want that in a kind way. He goes on from kindness and he says, by the way, here's what it doesn't do. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, and it's not proud. And let me tell you, as I go down this list, I get to this one right here, and I feel like i am literally got a knife sticking in me. Because of the ones that Les Chapman, God, is still patient with. All of these years are these three right here. I mean, the envy, the boasting, the pride. I mean, wanting instead of giving God the glory, to take the glory for ourselves. And here's Paul saying, not agape love. It doesn't do that. It does not dishonor others. Why? Because it's not self-seeking. I mean, I mean, I want y'all to think about this right here. If you want to know what this right here is, this phrase right here is the opposite of the American political system. Are y'all listening to me? I mean, all you got to do is just listen to the ads on television. Because American politics is very simple. The way for me to self-seek this office is to put you down, to dishonor you. And so I'm going to find everything in the world I can to make you look bad. And I mean, that's how our political system in America works today. And and here's what's so sad about that. Even in our primaries, Democrats will do that to Democrats. Republicans will do that to Republicans. Until you get through the race, and then you're best friends again. Y'all have seen it happen over and over again. You're the worst candidate in the world. By the way, would you like to run for me for whatever? I mean, we 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 take this very process that is so anti love, and we make it the heart of the American political system. Instead of that, which says, "What can I do to make my city, my county, my state, our country better?" I'm apolitical. Many of you know that. Uh, I quit participating in the process a long time ago. Uh, I appreciate America, I love America, but I exercise my constitutional right not to participate in the system. And yet, at the same time, I appreciate those, especially those who bring to the system, values that, that try to make a difference. I work, as many of you know, at River Bend have for close to six years now. And one of the things I appreciate about uh, our governor, Governor Lee, is that Governor Lee is one of the biggest promoters of prison reform. Governor Lee knows that the best way to help people is by giving people an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. And one of the big programs we partake of here, or we participate here at at Hendersonville, is Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry, of where we help prisoners who are coming out of the prison system. Uh, we have a reentry center downtown, one of the best there is, literally in our state. It is just a marvelous example of how to treat people who are coming out of incarceration and one of the first things that we try to help people at T-POM do is get a job. And here's what I appreciate so much about Governor Lee. Anybody want to guess which company hires more inmates and former incarcerated people than almost anyone? It's called the Lee Company. I mean at least Governor Lee puts his mouth I mean, he puts his money where his mouth is when it comes to saying, I want to make a difference in those who are coming out of our prison system. And I appreciate that so much. I mean, we need to be people who are caring for others. We're not dishonoring them. We're building them up. And that leads to, of course, not being easily angered. If you go back to you know, the things you put off, you put off anger, you put off rage, you put off all of those strong emotions that oftentimes hurt relationships. And here is love. It's not that love never gets angry. We all know that. But it's not easily angered. It takes a lot. And oftentimes it has to do with injustice in the world, which is what it should always be about. But then he goes on and he says, And it keeps no records of wrongs. Could I encourage you to do something for me? Would you you take your cell phone and erase all the negativity and all the recordings and all the pictures you've taken to have in your phone in case you ever need to use them against someone? How do you know people do that, Les? I do counseling. I see it all the time. Ooh, I need to record that. I may need that one day. I need to take a picture of that because I may need that one day. I need to record that in great detail because one of these days I may have to pull that back up. Now, it's not that we don't need to be aware of what's going on around us. Please don't misunderstand me here. I'm talking about when we're in relationships with people and we just want to make sure that we're covering all of our bases by just in case something ever happens between me and this person. I want to have enough to bring them down and God would say no don't keep those records you build people up now this doesn't mean that we whitewash what has happened in the past please don't misunderstand me and Brian here would be the first to say that we can't forget all the things that happened to us in our relationships but boy when we use them as ammunition to destroy people that's when it goes the wrong direction holding people accountable of course the keeping record of wrongs, to use them when we need them, we probably need to rethink that. Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. And here's my favorite part of 1 Corinthians 13. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I love that. Because that's what love does. Hope to the end? Absolutely. That's what I hope God does for me. Perseveres to the end? Absolutely. I hope Jesus is still interceding at the end. Always protects? Yes. And always trusts? I hope so. And he ends this section of this chapter with these words, Love never fails. And you want to know why? Because God is love. And He never fails. That's why agape love is so important. I pray that as we continue to work and overcoming the flesh in our life that we will work, I mean, extra hard to let love be that which drives us in everything that we do as a church. That's why we do Trunk or Treat. I mean, we do Trunk or Treat not to support the candy industry even though we're doing that, right? But we do it because we love this community. We love the children of this community and we want to give them a safe place to come and to celebrate this holiday. That's why we serve, because we reflect the love of God. I don't know where you are in your spiritual life, but if you are not a child of God, if you've not started the journey with the Holy Spirit creating in you the image of God all over again, what are you waiting for? You can do that today in faith and baptism, and we would be honored to help you. You can do it right now. Together we stand and sing.